showing that video, um, I didn't get a lifetime supply of razors or shaving cream or anything. Um, we just did that to see how many guys in the room would cry this morning, and so uh, you're welcome. <laughs> uh, well, I'm so glad you're here with us this morning, and we love to celebrate the reading of God's Word. If you have your Bibles today, turn to Proverbs chapter 4. Uh, that's where we're going to be today. Um, but I want to just maybe get you to go back in your mind a little bit and see if any of you remember this conversation from your childhood. Uh, do you remember going to your mom and asking a question be like, Mom, uh, can I have a friend over tonight? Something like that. And she would say, what? Go ask your dad, right? And so you would go and do what your mom said. You go ask your dad and you say, Dad, can, can I have a friend come over tonight? And dad would say... Go ask your mom. You guys had the same conversation. Did we grow up together? Um, yeah, our house was the same way. And so you'd go back, and now you're in this eternal vortex of indecision about go ask your mom, go ask your dad, what's your mom say, what's your dad say. And so after time, I don't know if you clued in like this, but eventually I would ask a question. And mom would say, go ask your dad, and I would go ask my dad the question, and he would say, go ask your mom. And I would say, she said it was okay. She's just waiting on your approval. And he'd be like, well, I guess if your mom said it was okay, then it's okay, right? And so it became not go ask your dad, but go manipulate your dad. And uh, my dad's here this morning, and so a um, little confession time from the Owen household. Uh, but, uh, you know, when you think about that, we get to this kind of place where we're like, we're always looking for help. We're always looking for answers. Go, go ask your dad. What does he say? Um, unfortunately, a lot of dads today are not answering go ask your mom or just giving you good information. It might be something more like this on the screen. This dad says to this kid, go ask your search engine. Right? So it's time to ask Google or Bing or whatever you use that's out there. Does Bing still exist? I don't know if that's a thing or not. Um, but so many parents are just going, hey, go, go, go get your information online. Like that video at the beginning of it said that 94% of teenagers will go online to ask questions about how to live life before they'll talk to their parents. Isn't that crazy? And so we have the opportunity as a generation to help our kids know how to live their lives. And being a dad is the greatest blessing in my life. I love being a dad. And I hope if you're a dad in the room today that you feel that same way. Uh, and I understand that there are a lot of us coming from different places today. Uh, Father's Day for a lot of you is a really joyful, happy time. For others of you, this is a difficult day. Maybe you've lost your dad. Maybe you didn't have a good relationship with your dad. Maybe this is the first year you're celebrating Father's Day or being here on Father's Day and your dad's passed away. And so this could be a difficult day for you. But there's others of you in the room who maybe you're a first-time dad. This is your first Father's Day as a dad or, or different areas of life. Or, or maybe there's guys that say, man, I, I want to be a dad and we just haven't been able to get there yet. Um, we come from a lot of different places, but the truth is, is that all of us have a father in heaven that's, that's our dad. Whether you had a great relationship with your dad like I did, or whether you had a really bad experience with your earthly father, you've got a heavenly father who loves you. We just sang about him just a minute ago. And so when we think about these things, I just want you to know that I, I love being a dad, but being a dad is hard. Anybody agree with that? It's tough being a dad. And I mean, I get to places where my seven-year-old and nine-year-old ask me questions, and I don't know the answers to their questions, right? Like my seven-year-old this week, we were staying at my parents' house one night, and they're out you know, chasing fireflies around, lightning bugs, whatever you call them. And so they're out doing that, and my son goes, Dad, why does their tail light up? I went, um... God wanted them to? Like, I don't know. I don't know why their tail lights up. And then my nine-year-old goes, no, Dad, it's bioluminescence. 
they have this thing in their bloodstream that interacts with this thing on their tail and it causes a spark in their tail light up. And I was like, well, thank you, PBS and Wildcrats. I don't know where you got that or Kingsport Education System, wherever you got that bioluminescence thing from. That was awesome, right? And so, I mean, I'm getting bombarded with questions all the time that I have no earthly idea how to answer. And so being a dad is hard. And as a dad, as a parent, as a mom, as a, as a Christian, there are times in our life where we'll run into things and we just have to go, man, where do I get the answers? Because harder questions are going to come in life. I mean, wait till your kids start asking you questions like this. Hey, Dad, is it, is it really true that if people die and they don't know God, they're going to spend eternity in hell? What do you, what's your answer to that? When your kids come to you and just say, you know, what? Well, why, why do so many bad things happen in the world? Why is there pain and suffering and anguish and hardship? Why is there so much bad and evil that exists? How are you going to answer that question? Wait till your kids come and say, hey, Dad, where do babies come from? <laughs> like, you're never ready for that one. It doesn't matter how much prep time you put in. I mean, I do premarital counseling with couples all the time. And still, when my kids are like, what about babies? It's like, uh, storks. That's it, man. Um, that's what happens. Right? It doesn't matter how ready you are, you're never really ready for those kinds of questions. And so as parents, we've always got these things that we have to say, man, I just wish I had somebody to help me or somewhere that I could go and get answers and get information. And the truth is, is that what we're blessed with in our relationship with God is that we have a Heavenly Father that we can go to. And we can say, Dad, Dad, I don't know. I don't know how to make a decision in my life. I don't know how to lead my family. I don't know what I need to do next. I don't know how I'm supposed to pursue godliness and holiness. Will you help me? And you've got a Father in heaven that's just waiting for you to cry out to Him and say, I want to come and answer your questions, but I want you to come to me. Like a son, like a daughter coming to their father. And then God says, I will move towards you. And I'll reveal things to you that you didn't possibly know. So this morning, I want to present the same idea to us as dads, as moms, as Christians, that when we run into something in life, that we don't know how to deal with, a question we don't know how to answer, that we'll go running to our Father, that we can go and ask Dad, that Jesus called him Abba, Father. It's an intimate expression. Jesus' word Abba was Daddy. And so we have this same relationship with God the Father to say, Dad, I just need your wisdom. I need your help. And so this morning, I want us to sense and get a sense of what Solomon has to say in Proverbs chapter 4. Because when we think about being parents or being dads or, uh, or whatever it is, just your Christian life, that we need to understand and know that we're not left alone by God on an island to just figure out things in life. That He's given us His Word. He's given us His Holy Spirit. He's given us His church to belong to. He's given us things that can help us make pathways in life to follow Him and to walk with Him in wisdom. And so this morning, I want us to see when we look at Proverbs chapter 4 together, that Solomon is writing as a dad talking to his kids. And as he's writing to his kids, we read this passage, and I want us to think about sitting down at a table with Solomon and just having a cup of coffee. Now, I don't like coffee, so this is hot chocolate, right? Mm. I love hot chocolate. I drink hot chocolate. It's 90 degrees outside. It's a hot chocolate day. Like, I just love this. But I, you can imagine just having a chance to sit down with Solomon, going, hey, I've got questions about being a dad, about being a parent, about being a follower of God. What, can we just sit down and talk? And here's Solomon as a dad who's writing his sons, and maybe he's just sitting down at breakfast with a cup of coffee in his hands. I don't know if they drank coffee in ancient Israel or not, but he's just sitting down with his kids, and he's saying, I want you guys to hear from me. So we're going to sit down with Solomon this morning. Look at Proverbs chapter 4 and the first three verses. He says, Listen, my sons, 
to a father's instruction. Pay attention. Gain understanding. I give you sound learning, so do not forsake my teaching. For I too was a son to my father, still tender and cherished by my mother. Now the first thing that some of us might say here when we go, okay, Solomon, I get it. He's telling us, sit down, listen to me. I've got instruction I want to pass on to you. But uh, Joel, I know a little bit about Solomon and his life had some pretty bad turns that it took. Uh, In fact, I mean, is he the best person to be listening to for advice? Because, I mean, you remember he married like 900 women, had 900 wives and concubines, right? And so, and because of his relationships with these women from foreign countries, foreign nations, he allowed them to bring idol worship into the nation of Israel. So now we've introduced idol worship and he's built temples to these pagan gods. And so, Joel, I mean, when we want to talk about parenting and being wise and raising our families to know God, is Solomon the best person to listen to? Maybe that's a good question for you to ask. Maybe some of you are a little skeptical about the Bible. Is it trustworthy? Are these guys people I should be listening to? And here's what I would simply tell you, that while Solomon is writing this, while he's the author of this, or he's the writer, rather, there is an author that's behind it. And the Bible tells us that all Scripture is breathed by God, that it's inspired by the Holy Spirit of God, and that God would move people along as He saw fit to record His words, His writings to His people. Every writer in Scripture was a mess, because every writer in Scripture was a human being. But every writer in Scripture has the same common trait, that the Holy Spirit of God was moving them and was helping to prompt them about how to record God's Word for His people. So when we're reading from Solomon this morning, we're really reading from God. And so this is really like God saying through Solomon, hey kids, sit down and listen. I've got something that I want to share with you this morning. I've got some things that I want to speak into your life. And so I want you to listen to my father, to a father's instruction. Pay attention and gain understanding. And then look at what he says in verse, uh, verse 4. He says, I want you to do this because I was a child one time. And as I listened to my dad, it benefited me. So he says in verse 4, Then he taught me and he said to me. So Solomon is saying, My father, King David, taught me. And this is what he said. So now we're going to hear the words of King David. Take hold of my words with all your heart. Keep my commands and you will live. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Do not forget my words or turn away from them. Do not forsake wisdom and she will protect you. Love her and she'll watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. Though it costs you all you have, get understanding. Cherish her and she'll exalt you. Embrace her and she'll honor you. She will be a garland to grace your head and present you with a glorious crown. Now, this morning there are three questions that I want us to see and we're going to ask sitting down for coffee with Solomon. That we're going to get a chance to ask Solomon some questions today and hear his wise counsel back to us as God is, is inspired him and in writing to us. And so... The first thing, though, that I want us to see is that David has sat down and taught Solomon, and now Solomon is sitting down and teaching his kids. And so the first thing, if you're taking notes on your outline, on our, on our app, the church app, you can find this in news and notes at the bottom. You can go in and, and do that. Or if you're on your bulletin, you can write some things down. But here's the first thing I want you to see this morning. The discipleship is intentional, it's relational, and it's generational. That when we think about making disciples... To be a follower of Jesus, not just to have said a prayer at one point in time in your life, 
not, not just to say, well, yeah, I'm a Christian in, uh, in my knowledge about Jesus, but to actually be a disciple of Jesus, someone who is following Jesus everywhere he goes, someone who has committed their entire life to Jesus and said, I am bought into you, I'll follow you, I'll be obedient to you. A disciple makes other disciples. And so we see this, that David followed God, and then he passed it on to Solomon, and now Solomon's passing it on to his kids, and he hopes that his kids will pass it on to the next generation. And it's the same thing that may have happened in your family. It's the same thing that's happened in my family that my grandmother invested in my dad and my dad has invested in me and my brother and we're now investing in our kids and there is intentional relational generational discipleship that's taking place and so when we think about this and how it looks for our lives that we would say it has to be the first two things intentional and relational that you've got to say i'm going to sit down and make time to intentionally lead my kids to know Christ. That I want them more than anything else in their life to follow after the heart of Jesus. That's what they're going to be called to do. And so as a dad, I'm going to pursue that relationship with them. It's going to be intentional, and it's going to be something that I will be in relationship with them. That it's not something that happens in a vacuum, that it takes intentionality, it takes relationship. And so for my kids right now, my, my son just recently got his first kind of big boy Bible, right? And so he's always had the kids' Bibles, and then we had the action cartoon Bible, and Jesus looked like the Hulk, and, you know, like all these things, and they look like, you know, Marvel magazine comic books. And so it was incredible stuff, but you're looking at it and kind of going, wow, Paul was a big dude. He was like the Incredible Hulk. It was awesome. Um, but Josiah just recently got his own NIV Bible. And so now he's starting to read these stories for himself in the context without pictures and drawings, but just to go, what does it actually say? What does God's Word actually say? And so at night now, Josiah will, will ask me to come into his room and say, Dad, will you bring your Bible and let's sit down and we'll read the same thing. And if I have questions, I just want to ask you questions. And so now most nights in our house, we're sitting down in his room at night and for 30 or 40 minutes just reading the Bible together. And he'll ask me, what does this mean? Or why did Jesus say that? Or seems like the disciples don't get it. And I was like, yeah, they didn't get it. They didn't know. And he asked incredible questions, but it's intentional. It's relational. I'm going to sit down with my son, and I'm going to invest in him so that he'll learn to love God and follow God. And so when we see this, we just go, this is what it's all about for us to be intentional and relational and then generational. Um, but here's what we see all the time, and statistics bear this out. That for a lot of American Christians, especially in the church, that when teenagers who come to our churches, go to our youth groups, walk with Jesus for a period of time, but then when they go off to college, statistics bear out that a large number of them are leaving their faith in Christ. Or at least taking a hiatus from their faith. They may not abandon it altogether, but they're at least going off to college, to university, to wherever there is that they're going, and they're going to say, you know what, that was nice while mom and dad made me get up on Sunday morning and go to church, or to have a youth group, but now that I'm on my own, I'm not setting any alarm, I'm not spending my time in God's Word, I'm not praying, I'm not doing anything related to the church, and they walk away from that faith background. Was well, a youth pastor for 15 years, those kind of statistics just troubled my heart. Because I heard that all the time. You read Barna studies and all these different things and you just see mass droves of teenagers walking away from faith in Jesus when they leave their homes. But I would look at our churches that I had the privilege of serving in and our youth groups and our families. And, and what was amazing was I didn't see those statistics bear out in our church. 
And I would look around and go, what is it that's different? Why do I read all these studies of kids walking away from their faith? But what I'm seeing in my own church doesn't bear that out. And so I started paying attention over the years. And here's what I found without, uh, without any kind of personal um, study, no barn or research or anything like that, but just watching families in our church and kids in our church who would go through our youth group and then go off to college and continue to walk with Jesus. Here's what I noticed every single time. Their parents and especially their dad, was the primary disciple-maker in their home. And when they left high school and they left the comforts of home, they didn't walk away and say, I don't want any more of that Jesus stuff. They walked away and they said, I'll go with Jesus wherever he goes. Because they had parents who intentionally and relationally invested in them. And so the statistics didn't play out. Every now and then you'd see a kid that would walk away, but primarily, if you had a family with a mom and a dad, specifically a dad, who would say, I'm going to invest in my kids. The chance of them walking with Jesus for the rest of their life astronomically improves. And so dads, it's not any kind of mystery why the Bible puts this ball in our court. And from the very first pages, we see that it's supposed to be the dad investing in their kids to raise them to know and follow Christ, to be intentional to be relational, and to pass along generational truths. And so we've got to take that step. So when David discipled Solomon and Solomon discipled his kids, and now we get to ask our first question. And when we see this question, we start to ask, okay, Solomon, let's sit down over coffee. Here's the question I want to ask to you, and what should I ask my Heavenly Father? Here's your number one question. What's the best advice you could give me about life? I mean, if you got to sit down with the most wise person who ever lived, and say, hey, as, as a Christian, as a father, as a mother, as, a, as a, you know, a, a disciple of Jesus, what's the best life advice you could give me? Listen to what Solomon says. Solomon reflects back on something David had taught him, verses 5 through 9. He says, get wisdom. Get understanding. Do not forget my words or turn away from them. Do not forsake wisdom and she'll protect you. Love her and she'll watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. Though it costs you all you have, get understanding. Cherish her and she'll exalt you. Embrace her and she'll honor you. She will give you a garland to grace your head and present you with a glorious crown. So dads, what is the best thing you can pursue in your life? Wisdom. The very best thing you can pursue in your life is wisdom. David told Solomon, Solomon's telling us, and we see all of this play out. And here's what I love about how Solomon uh, has wisdom described to him. David's brilliant. He sits down with Solomon. He says, here's what you should do. Pursue wisdom. And then David starts talking about wisdom as if it's a woman. He puts this in language that teenage Solomon is going, all right, yeah, I can get behind this. Pursue the woman. Like, go after the girl, right? Guys, we get this. This is language we understand. We know what it means to pursue the woman. Not the creepy kind of stalking, not that, not the weird stuff, not on Facebook, like watching behind the scenes, like face-to-face, I want to have a relationship with you, how are you doing, what's going on? Like, he says to Solomon, you pursue this relationship like she's a woman. But to do that, you've got to be wise about how you go about it. Because the truth is, is that some people don't pursue relationships with wisdom. I heard a story this week that was shared with me, a joke, and I'll share it with you. It says this, that... Um, Tom was a single guy living at home with his father and working in the family business. He knew that he would inherit a fortune once his sickly father died. And Tom wanted two things. One, to learn how to invest his inheritance, and two, to find a wife to share his fortune. 
One evening at an investment meeting, he spotted the most beautiful woman he'd ever seen. Her natural beauty took his breath away. And after working up the courage, he walked over to her. I may look like just an ordinary man, he said to her, but in just a few years, my father will die and I'll inherit $80 million. Impressed, the woman obtained his business card. And two weeks later, she became his stepmother. Women are much better investors than men are, right? And so you get this and you go, hey, man, you took the wrong path. <laughs> you don't talk up front about your money and what you're worth and who your daddy is. Like, if you want to have a relationship, pursue it with wisdom. You didn't do it with wisdom. And it bit you, right? This girl goes and marries your dad. And now she's going to inherit everything. And so we see all this play out. And David talks about getting wisdom like he talks about getting a wife. Listen to his language. He says, do not forsake wisdom. She'll protect you. Love her. She'll watch over you. Cherish her. And she'll exalt you. Embrace her. And she'll honor you. This is love language. Right? This is passionate. And so David's telling us wisdom isn't about having cold, hard facts. Knowledge may be about cold, hard facts, but wisdom is about a relationship. Wisdom is about pursuing something that enhances your life. And who's the source of wisdom? Well, God is the source of wisdom. So in essence, David and Solomon are telling us, pursue God. In Proverbs chapter 8, just a few chapters over, Solomon's going to write another uh, story, and he's basically going to write it almost like a play. And he's going to make the main character of the play wisdom. And he's going to make her female. And so in Proverbs chapter 8, wisdom begins to talk to its audience and tell it about how God created her. Talk about how God invested her and gave her to us for a purpose. And she says the ultimate purpose is so that you will learn who God is. That wisdom always points us to God. And that as we pursue wisdom with all of our heart, that it helps us navigate life well. And so when we see this, we start to look and we say the basic question of, of, the, of the story is why do we need wisdom? And the answer is, is because we can't function in God's world, in God's way, without wisdom. He's given her to us as a way to help navigate life. So pursue wisdom. Dads, pursue wisdom. Moms, pursue wisdom. Students, pursue wisdom. Singles in the room, pursue wisdom. That's the highest thing that you can chase after as you're looking at your relationship with God and the pursuit that you have in that relationship that you would say I'm going to go after wisdom though it costs me everything I have I'm going to go after it in fact that's what David says next David tells Solomon Solomon tells us get wisdom though it costs you everything you have so what's it going to cost you to get wisdom well I don't know for your specific situation but for a lot of people it may cost you time maybe something that you're going to say man I've, I've got to invest a lot of time in order to really get wisdom, it may cost money. You might say, man, I need to, to buy books or resources or go to a conference or, or invest in some people. I don't know what it's going to take, but it's going to take some, some money. It might cost you some relationships. But you might look at some relationships you have and go, hey, for me to, to continue to grow in wisdom and to pursue after God, I can't continue to be in this relationship with you. You keep pulling me away from God, and I've got to pursue after Him. And so one of the things that it might cost us is relationships. But whatever it is, when Solomon writes this, he says, whatever it costs, go after wisdom. It doesn't matter what it's going to cost you. Wisdom is better. It's better. It's going to help you in every element of your life. So here's the second question that we get to sit around with Solomon today and ask. And we're just drinking hot chocolate and coffee with Solomon. And we just ask this question. Okay, Solomon, so 
And how do I set myself up for long-term success? And so when we hear that word success, a lot of us, the first place we jump is finances. Right? Like how do I have a bigger bank account and how do I get more money and all these kinds of things. But here's the truth. That's not what we would consider success in the Christian life. In the Christian life, we're asking how do I enjoy a happy, fulfilled, blessed life. That's what we're after. Because Jesus, when He came along, Jesus said, I've come so that you can have life. But not just any life, abundant life. So what does it look like for me to find happiness and success and abundance in this world? He says, you've got to pursue after Jesus. That's what it's going to take. And so let's ask our dad, how do I achieve long-term happiness and fulfillment? Most importantly, or more importantly maybe, is we want our kids to know how to live well. How, how do I help my kids know how to have a lasting, lifelong, fulfilled life? What do I need to help them pass along to them? We need help. So here's what Solomon says, verses 10 through 19. He says, listen, my son, to, uh, and accept what I say, and the years of your life will be many. I instruct you in the way of wisdom, and I lead you along straight paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hampered, and when you run, you will not stumble. Hold on to instruction. Do not let it go. Guard it well, for it's your life. Do not set foot on the path of the wicked or walk in the way of evildoers. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn from it and go on your own way. For they cannot rest until they do evil. They are robbed of sleep till they make someone stumble. They eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. The path of the righteous is like the morning sun, shining ever brighter till the full light of day. But the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not make, know what makes them stumble. And so as Solomon writes these things, he's telling us, man, you want to know how to have long-term success? Focus on verses 14 through 17. Don't set your foot on the path of the wicked or walk in the way of evildoers. So here's the question. Who has access to your life? I mean, who gets to speak into your life? Who are the voices that you're listening to? Are they leading you toward God in, a wisdom, uh, in wisdom or are they leading you away from God in foolishness? And so all of us, I mean, as, as parents, we've all had this conversation with our kids at some point in time. If you're a mom, if you're a dad, that you've said to your kids, hey, listen, you've got to be careful about who your friends are. You need to choose your friends well. Why do we say that? Why do we watch out for our kids? I mean, when, when our kids changed schools this year, one of the biggest things that we started doing was saying, all right, who's in their class? Who do they know? When you come home and you're talking about this kid, I'm asking a lot of questions. What's he like? What does he do? What does he enjoy? Do you know his parents? Have you met? You know, like there's all these questions because I want a guard who's speaking into the life of my kids. Why? Because our relationships will determine the direction and the quality of our life. And if you have people in your life who are walking in ways of wickedness and evil, they're going to drag you into that. But if you have relationships in your life where they're walking toward righteousness and holiness and godliness, they're going to pull you toward that. And you want people to be speaking into your life, even saying hard things that you may not want to hear. But if they're pushing you toward God, you want those people in your life. But far too many of us know people in our life that we would say, you know, Man, you, you probably went to high school with somebody like this or college maybe that you just looked at this guy and went, he's either going to be in jail or dead by the time he's 40. Like the guy's not going to make it. It's just not going to happen for him. He's always being an idiot. And if I'm going to have that person in my life, guess who else is going to be an idiot? I am. Because our friends will determine the direction and the quality of our life. They'll either pull us down with them. The Bible calls them evildoers. You might not call them that, but the Bible does. So you need to watch out for those wicked people in your life. They're evildoers. 
You can, nah, they just like to have fun. No, no, no. They like to drag you away from God. They like to drag you down. And so one of the ways that we can ask this question and go, how do I have long-term success in life, is make sure you know who is speaking into your life. The second thing is just to know what path you're on. Because there's two basic paths in life, right? There's a path that leads to righteousness and to salvation in Christ, or there's a path that leads to destruction for eternity. So the question would be, do you know what path you're on? Do you know what path your kids are on? Do you know how to guide them from one path of destruction toward a path of righteousness? As parents, we're called to help guide our kids in these things. So we need to ask our dad, and when we do, he says, watch the paths you get on, watch out who you allow to have influence in your life. Then you have to be intentional to chart a course. You've got to be intentional as parents to chart a course for your kids to follow. And here's the honest truth. If you're not pursuing something, they're probably not going to pursue it either. And you, you have a very difficult time passing on to your kids the things that you don't know and do as well. My dad's here this morning. He used to have a, a pretty famous statement around our house, and he would always say, and maybe your parents did this too. It's not unique to him. But he'd say, uh, do what I say, not what I do. I've used that one with my kids. Anybody ever heard that one? It's like, uh, hey, don't, don't do what I do. Don't watch what I'm doing. Just do what I say. I know the right thing to tell you to do, but don't do what I actually do with my life. And I'm not saying my dad did terrible, horrible things. He was a godly man, and he is a godly man. But he would just kind of tell us, listen, I know what to say, and, but sometimes, and my life is the same way, I know what to tell my kids the right thing to do, but my actions don't always bear that out. So, hey, kids, you need to do this. But the best way for me to help them do that is to walk in it myself, to be on the right path. So what path are you on? Well, here's the third question that we see from Solomon. Uh, actually, you know what, before we get to that, let me go back and look at verses 11 and 12 really fast. Uh, he says this, I want to instruct you in the way of wisdom and lead you along straight paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hampered, and when you run, you will not stumble. Here's what I think Solomon's saying to us here. With wisdom, we can navigate life well no matter the pace that comes at us. Because he talks about there's times when you're walking in life and it's pretty easy pace and things might come up to you, but they're coming kind of slow and you can avoid them or know how to avoid the pitfalls. Then there's other times in life where you're running a really fast pace and things are coming at you fast and everything's a little bit more crazy and hectic. And those kinds of times are when you can get tripped up easier because you don't see things coming. And so he says, listen, wisdom will help us to do these things better. That whether you're walking or whether you're running, wisdom helps you navigate life well, regardless of the direction that you're going or the speed that you're running in. And so he says you need to get wisdom. Why is that? Because wisdom is setting us up for long-term success. Now, we've got one more question to ask Solomon. Life comes at us pretty fast sometimes. We need to stop and ask Dad for wisdom. So we're asking, we're asking our Father, Solomon's help and answer because God's writing through Solomon. So we ask this question. Solomon, hey, how do I navigate life and pursue holiness? And so look at what he says in the last seven verses, starting verse 20. Solomon says, my son, pay attention to what I say. Do not turn your ear to my word, or excuse me, turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and their health to one's whole body. And above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil. 
And so here's our question again. How do I navigate life and pursue holiness? And Solomon says to us, hey, listen, above all else, guard your heart. Because everything you do flows from it. Here's what Solomon knew. Actions are birthed from affections. The things that we're affectionate about and we're passionate about, we'll move toward those things. We'll take action steps to get to the things we're passionate about and affectionate toward. And so he says you need to let the the center part of your life, the part that controls your emotions, your heart, he says you need to make sure that it's moving you in the right direction and that the things that you're um, affectionate about are leading you in the right direction at all times. So how do we help our kids love Jesus more than anything? We help them learn to guard their hearts from evil. There are things in this life that would entice our kids away from Jesus, and we've got to be a frontline defense as dads, as parents, to step in front of our kids and say, I'm not going to let you go down that path. I'm going to do everything I can to help guard your heart. But it starts with us guarding our own heart, not allowing sin to entice us away from a relationship with Jesus, that we're going to follow Him forever. And so He gives us three things. If you don't know how to do that, say, I don't know how to guard my kids' hearts. I don't know how to make that happen. Well, let's go ask Dad. Dad, what do you have to say about this? Look at verse 24. Keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths of your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. So here's what we need to understand. Holiness doesn't happen by accident. It's something that we have to pursue. And as followers of Christ, it's got to be something that we're going to chase after every single day. That when we work in partnership with the Holy Spirit, He teaches us to say no to sin and to say yes to Jesus. And so when we see this, He gives us three things to do. He says, you watch your mouth. How do we guard our heart? Your mouth. Keep it from perverse speaking. Make sure you control your tongue. James says about the tongue, the tongue is, is a restless evil. It's full of deadly poison. So we've got to be vigilant with our tongue. What are we speaking? What are we saying? The second thing is our eyes. Our attention and our focus has to be straight ahead on God. Then when we say, how do I navigate life well? How do I guard my heart? You keep your eyes focused on Jesus at all times. Jesus himself said in Luke chapter 9, anyone who takes a hold of the plow and looks back isn't worthy of service in the kingdom of God. Now, I don't know if you've ever plowed a field or not. Maybe not with a you know a horse or a mule or something dragging a, uh, a plow. But here's the trick is that if you're going to plow straight lines, you have to pick a spot in front of you on the horizon and walk toward it and keep moving in that straight line. If you're looking back to see how you did, your lines are going to go all over the place. And so Jesus tells us the same thing. If you want to pursue godliness, holiness, righteousness, if you want to know how to live your life well and pursue me, you keep your eyes focused ahead on me. You can't look back at your life and say, I really and I love Jesus, but I really love doing these sinful things over here. I'd kind of like to go back to that for a period of time. He says, you're not fit for service in the kingdom if you're going to pursue things that aren't leading you toward the kingdom. And so as parents, how do we help our kids guard their hearts? You keep their eyes fixed ahead, always be pursuing the things of Jesus. You set the tone for that in the way that you live your life in your home. Pursue Jesus with everything you've got. And then the last thing that he says is, is about your feet. He goes back to the idea of watching what path you're walking down. Jesus described two paths in life. We talked about them a little while earlier. So there's a path that leads to eternal life, and there's a path that leads to destruction. And you have to know what path are you on. 
The path to eternal life is only possible through a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you are not on a path walking toward eternity with Him. It doesn't matter how good you are, how moral you are, uh, how great of a dad you are, a parent you are. It doesn't matter. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you're not on this path. If your kids don't have a relationship with Jesus, they're not on that path. So do you know what path you're on? Do you know what path your kids are on? Could you help navigate them to the right path if they're going the wrong way? Can you find the right path if you're going the wrong way? So the challenge this morning is simply to ask, how do you find the right path? And how does wisdom help guide you there? See, here's the truth. It's a privilege being a dad, being a parent. But we all know that we need help. And so when we don't know what to do, when life doesn't make sense, when we come across problems, the best thing we can do is go ask that. He's given us access to Him. He's given us wisdom. He's given us His Word. He's given us His church. He's given us His Holy Spirit. He's told us, come and ask me, and I'll tell you the things that you need to know. God will always guide us and direct us in wisdom, but He wants us to come and ask. Sometimes the things that we would normally assume are wise, in the eyes of God are not. Jesus or God said, my ways are not your ways, and my thoughts are not your thoughts. And so sometimes we look at stuff and go, this seems like a really good thing to do. But before I do it, let me ask God just to make sure. And you go to God in prayer and go, God, should I do this thing? Should I pursue this? Should I be in this relationship? And the thing that looks so good to you and in your wisdom and your knowledge looks so good, God goes, no, 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 that's not best for you. That's not wisdom. Let me point you in a different direction. So when you don't know what to do in life, go ask your dad. Let's always be vigilant in being on our knees before our Father and asking Him to guide us and direct us. All right? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I love you so much, and I'm grateful for a chance today to hear from your word, to be led and instructed by you. And God, I'm thankful for how you, um, how you give us wisdom to guide our lives and how you teach us and lead us in truth so that we can follow after your heart, so that we can know you fully. God, I pray for, for dads in this room today who are doing their very best right now to lead their families, to lead their wives and their kids to be spiritual leaders in their home and to guide toward truth and righteousness and godliness and wisdom. I just pray, God, that you would fill them up with your spirit. Give them a spirit of wisdom so they can do the right things. God, I pray that that you'll do incredible things through our church and through men in our church. I'm so incredibly grateful for young men in our church. I I have a chance every couple of weeks to meet with some young men in our church and, and to talk with them about raising their kids and loving their wives and and it's so remarkable to me to hear young men in our church who are, who are pursuing these things and, and leading their families well. I'm grateful for that, God. And I just pray that you would raise up an, a generation who would be intentional and relational in the way they make disciples in their homes. And Father, we trust you to do that. We need you. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.